Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, even in wins, I want to cry. Even in wins, you see the flaws. But they did win the game. And I said this on the air with Tiki, and I stand by this. And, I, and I've been very honest with everybody throughout this season. As much as I think they're done, and as much as I don't see a run coming, every time these teams in the National League lose, and the Mets stay within, I don't even want to say striking distance, but six out in the loss column. A part of me says, well, they still have a shot. And look, the problem with my theory on, not theory, but the part of my thinking on this is the only way you can succeed with the shot is to get hot. Like they need an extended winning streak, which has still not really happened. But as long as the Phillies and the Diamondbacks and the Giants are dangling that carrot in front of me, which is they're not completely buried. That's why I don't want to just give up. Because to me, the guy with the most trade value, realistically, assuming I'm not trading any one of my key guys and I'm not, is David Robertson. Like he would have the most value in the trade market right now for any, for the Yankees. Ron, Ron Marinaccio, I mean, I'll tell you, the clock has struck midnight on him and a lot of these Yankee relievers. So the Yankees couldn't want David Robertson. The Braves wouldn't want David Robertson. They just traded for two relievers, none of which is good as him. Like, I would assume David Robertson's going to have a good market. But I can't trade him because if you do that, any fantasy of making any kind of run is a thousand percent gone. But, but Evan, here's the thing is, and I love the optimism because you were like me two weeks ago. Like, oh, this team's got plenty of time to make it up. We're, at the tra- we're literally less than a week away from the trade deadline. How can you even sell yourself that this team is going to make some sort of run? I'm not. See, that's that's the thing. And I, 
I don't know if I'm clear about this. I don't think they're going to make a run. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I guess the problem is I want to continue to have a glimmer. And I'm not giving myself a glimmer by making a trade. I'm buying somebody. I have never suggested that other than a guy that would be under team control for next year. So you're making a deal more for next year than this year. It's more waving the white flag where you're dead. Like David Robertson, when we did the midseason pod, and it wasn't that long ago, it was like a week and a half ago. I said David Robertson was the MVP of the team. And while you may not have fully agreed with me, you got it. You understood it. You're like, yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. And so I see him as the guy that if you trade him, any glimmer, and that's all it is, Pete. It's a glimmer. This team, you're right, has not shown the ability that they're going to go on any kind of run and play any kind of consistent ball. But as long as the National League is going to remain mediocre, that's a part of having a glimmer. And David Robertson is so damn important. He proved it on Tuesday. Like, the Mets may lose this game if David Robertson is not on the team. They may have blown the 7 nothing lead. It's on the table. No, I, I, I get that. But then here, how are you sh- – okay, this is where Mets fans are at. It's like there's a very – very small percentage of this team can actually do anything and and somehow do do the impossible, make the playoffs. Right. Okay. Yes. But how do you sell that? Like, if you have an opportunity to maybe gain, like, listen, it's either crap the bed the entire season, be just a terrible team, and which which means trade David Robinson, trade Tommy Pham, trade Mark Hanna, trade anybody possible or what win enough games that you almost made the playoffs like how would how do you sell your your fan base on either can i ask you a serious question very serious question yes how drunk are you right now (laughs) well scale of one to ten probably a 9.5 but but yes (laughs) and by the way it's not like pete told me he was i just as i was listening to you and I'm listening to your words, and you're trying to slow down to make sense. It's something I would do when I'm drunk. Like, I want to be perceived as if I, I know what I'm actually saying. So I slow it down. I make sure it's coming out the right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, it's a it's a Tuesday night, and you got kids. Why not have a few drinks, right? And we won a fucking game. Oh, but, but, but hold on. But did I make sense though? Because that's that's that that is an honest and fair question. Yeah. So you're basically saying you're basically saying that if you trade David Robertson, the season's done. But if you hold on David Robertson, we have enough bite left to keep us close so, to nothing. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I I think Robertson, the jury's out on what kind of prospect you're going to get back. I assume it's halfway decent. But I'm starting to think that the prospect hall coming back for Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna is going to be minimal. And if I'm not getting anything that good back, what's the point? And I think that's where I'm going towards. Like, we always talk about should you sell, should you not sell, who should you sell? Well, a big part of it is what you're getting back. Like, if I'm getting a top 50 prospect for David Robertson, okay, I got to think about it. Like, if I'm getting that, and I don't think they are, But if I'm getting someone that impactful, okay, I would be an idiot not to consider it. But if I'm getting, I I remember back to when they traded Lucas Duda and when they were selling off pieces like that about five years ago, they got nothing. And they traded Billy Wagner to the Red Sox for Chris Carter. He was nothing. So I'd almost rather kind of keep the chips with the long shot 
than to trade quality players for young, pro- not even prospects, just just to say I traded them. And I think that's where I'm at. Let me get to some of your emails, by the way. We'll do another Rico after the finale of this series, and then we'll do a trade deadline preview that'll be posted right before the weekend. Clinton McLeod writes, fire Epler. He wrote this at 6.30, so right before the game started. It's an hour before game time, and I see Vogel sucks and DJ Stewart are both in the lineup. How is our system so thin that we have to resort to this crap in the lineup? Well, Clinton, remember what Billy Epler told us. Ronnie Mauricio's got a little, a few more boxes he needs to check. As far as Vogelback's concerned, or Vogel sucks as you like to call him, he did hit a bomb in the sixth inning. And again, when Daniel Vogelback hits a rare home run, he likes to pimp it. Sean Prestia writes, is there a reason Buck Showalter had to use his lefty specialist in a seven-run game against righties just to burn him to get one out and maybe now not have him available for tomorrow against the lefty in a big spot? The manager gets outmanaged basically every single night. It's sad to see. Now Dominic Leone is on the mound, and the Mets will probably find a way to blow this game. All right. As far as Rayleigh's concerned, reverse splits, by the way. He does have reverse splits, and he came in to face a lefty in Billy McKinney, but he was pinch hit for. So they got a lefty out of the game. IKF came up, so it turned out to be IKF. It turned out to be Volpe, and then it turned out to be Higashioka. So I, I disagree with the idea that Rayleigh is a lefty specialist only. He gets both sides out. If your question is, hey, why am I using one of my best relievers in the seventh inning of a six-run game, or at that point a seven-run game, uh, Rayleigh was fresh. The Mets had an off day on Monday, and he probably thought what we all thought, which is if I go to Drew Smith, if I go to Trevor Gott, this game may get ugly. What was surprising is that Rayleigh was that bad. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus I don't think any of us saw that coming. I don't think any of us saw Rayleigh facing four batters and three of them getting on base. My biggest issue is why not Justin Verlander? Why not push him for a seventh inning? Patrick Simmonson writes, I'm sitting at Yankee Stadium right now with two outs in the seventh inning. There is no way this team doesn't blow it. (laughs) I I was, when Glaber Torres was walked on four pitches by Leon, I was very worried. Because you don't have that safety net in the seventh inning. Like, you don't have the availability of David Robertson to come in in the seventh. You just went to Leon, so he's committed to facing two more batters, Giancarlo and Rizzo. They're a batter away from getting the tying run to the plate. I was definitely worried. And he was lucky because Stanton hit a screaming line drive that happened to be right at the right fielder. So, Patrick, I'm with you. Nick 
Krinenich writes, by the way, I screw up everybody's last name and I feel bad. I'm very sorry. You must be drunk. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. With the Mets playing in Yankee Stadium, it made me and my Yankee fan friend talk about whether or not the Yankees have an advantage playing in a ballpark with a short fence in left and right field. Do you think it's an advantage or does it not really matter? Let me ask everybody a dumb question. Why does just about every team in baseball every single year have a considerably better home record than road record? Like, what, What's the reason? Do you think it's the last licks especially considering most of the time you're not even using your last licks in a win because you don't need an at-bat in the ninth inning. So what's the answer? And I think, by the way, there's a lot of reasons for it. I think number one is home cooking, being at home, sleeping in your own bed, not traveling. But I do think your ballpark becomes your advantage. Just naturally, you're used to everything about it, even the smaller things. So I don't necessarily think it's just the sizes of fences or the jet stream and right center field. Now, obviously, if you build your team around the ballpark, you could have a great advantage of it. You know, back in the old days, the short porch at Yankee Stadium, left-handed sluggers. Sure. But I think in general, no matter what stadium you're talking about, you have an advantage in your own ballpark. Howie C. writes, Carlos Rodon is 0-3 with a 7-3-6 ERA. Does that mean Rod Rodon will throw a complete game shutdown against the Mets tomorrow? As much as I love the 9-3 offensive outburst tonight, I really wish they can save some hits and runs against left-handed starters. I do expect that Carlos Rodon's going to pitch well because he's pitched so badly, he's had some great performances against the Mets, and look, I, I could be wrong about this, I think Jack McDowell, after he gave the middle finger to Yankee fans, pitched really well in his next start. So while Rodon didn't give Yankee fans the middle finger, he blew the kiss uh yeah, I can see him pitching really well. Oh wait, wait, let me ask you a question. Are you really like I- I'm a Mets fan, so I'm not a Yankee fan like you are? Is that really that big of a deal that he kissed the the Yankee fans off? Like, is it that that big of an issue? Is it really a big deal when a player gives us the thumbs down? No. Oh, oh, I I appreciate your consistency then, but a lot of Met fans were pissed off by the thumbs down. I mean, it's Javi, a- Javi Baez was a rental piece of crap that nobody cared about on this team. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that wouldn't that make the Radon thing worse? He signed a really long contract. He missed the first few months of the season, and he's been bad when he's rarely pitched. Like, there's more of a commitment to Radon than Javier Baez was for us, and to show a sign of sensitivity this early is concerning. No, nah, okay, I get that. I understand he's he's not been as as great, but like, I don't take those actions from players anymore. Like the reactions are just overblown. All right, we're all human. Like, dude, if you're gonna get if you're gonna take a bat flip from somebody when they they hit a walk off or anything else, it's the same thing as if somebody goes the opposite way. I'm sorry, it just it, I, I just don't same. think. I think in general, fans don't want the play. As much as we may boo them or react to them, we don't want the players to go after us because most times it just ends up badly for the player, whether it's Julius Randle or it's Javier Baez or in the case of Carlos Rodon. Now, Carlos Rodon is going to pitch at Yankee Stadium against the Mets. If he goes out and pitches as dominantly as how he expects, there ain't going to be any negativity. It's going to be all cheers and everybody's going to laugh and have a good time. If he pitches ineffectively and he's 
taken out in the fourth inning of a six to one Met lead, he is going to get destroyed with booze. He's going to hear a lot of it. Now, I want to clear something up. Uh, I think it was on the last Rico. I misquoted the great Bob Murphy. Okay, I did. I misquoted him. I think it was after one of their wins. I said, hey, remember that game many, many years ago when Bob Murphy said, and they win the damn game? I think I got it completely wrong. In fact, Samuel Lowenthal corrected me. He said, Evan, I got to correct you. The call that Bob Murphy made at the end of that crazy Philly game was not, and the damn game is over. It was something else. Now, you've had a crazy night. Do you have the audio of this, Pete? If not, it's it's fine. <sighs> My phone is dead. I cannot activate <laughs> it right okay. now. And I apologize. I really no, no, it's okay. You talk to me like, yo, dude, please just have this. I'm wrong. I never make mistakes, but this is on me. I have to play it and I screwed this up. So this is on high. No, no, I don't... apologize. It's okay. It's <laughs> you've had a good enough night. I will read you what Murphy actually said. He said, the Mets win the ball game. They win the damn thing by a score of 10 to 9. Sam writes, I remember this clearly, but just to be sure, I Googled it, and I am right. It may be a nitpick, but I could not allow you to change this classic Murphy quote. And I appreciate that, Sam. I never want to misquote the great great Bob Murphy. So I said, and the damn game is over. He said they win the damn thing by a score of 10 to 9. I just remember a very soft-spoken Bob Murphy using the word damn. And that was, whoa, Bob Murphy said damn. That's crazy. But I appreciate the correction, Sam. I really do. We will have a Rico right after or soon after game two of this series, Jose Quintana against Carlos Rodon. And we'll give you another Rico, probably in the middle of the Washington series. They started on Thursday. So I would say Friday into Saturday, maybe early Saturday morning, we will give you not only some quick thoughts on the beginning of that series, but we'll talk very heavily into this trade deadline, what I wouldn't do, what we should do, what Pete would do, what Pete can't do, what I don't want to do, what everyone wants to do. Uh, A lot of emails recently on opinions on what they should do at the deadline. I had an extensive discussion uh, with Tiki about it the other day in which I don't want to trade Verlander and Scherzer. As down as I've been on Max. I think it's a foolish idea. So we'll get into more detail about that. But we do appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronia. Email us, ricob at gmail.com, the ricob at gmail.com. Now, Pete, get a good night's sleep. You're a very important figure at WFN. You're producing Salicata and Brandon Tierney. And the last thing they want on day three of their show is you hung over. All right? So feel better. Oh, no, I'm great. It's a, it's a great night. They won. The Mets won. How can we feel bad? Let's be serious. Some may say the Mets win the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rico. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.